probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA. first ever lunch service and just being like Simba in The Lion King with a stampede around me. There was just people everywhere and obviously it was before the kind of organised queues of the modern day dining room so I remember my first lunch quite clearly um, but it kind of uh, <laughs> Was it modern... chaotic? I mean, t- I mean lunch is a big for lots of people it's quite a you know it's a huge procedure it's like a military procedure. Well, now it is it's very slick and Absolutely. Um, but back back then was it back then there was kind of four entrances so there was kind of people coming from every corner um and it was quite different oh. to what anything i'd seen before so it did take a few weeks to get used to that but mm. i then had speech day my first speech day back in 2010 um and then you slowly kind of get used to it and adapt to it and absolutely love you know the start of it and ever since really mm. and working i mean that must be you're working as a team in the with your all the people in the dining room and your your colleagues is that is that something that you had to learn on the job or was that something you had before um yeah i mean i'd worked with kind of smaller teams before and kind of smaller pockets of teams working in hotels and, and restaurants and things um but to work with such a large team was something quite different to me so you kind of build these rapports over years and it does take a few months to kind of get used to but the team and the support that we have within the catering department has always been fantastic and the management team when i first started were very supportive of my development which was um great mike it was obviously a catering manager when i started uh, and then the team with jeff and matt as well so it's always been a, a great team to work with and very loyal to each other which is really really important Tell us about your first track. We were saying the chain is a is a sort of classic here on Bryland. We really well actually no Bry Radio. We it's a favourite. Yeah, so I really love Fleetwood Mac, and it's just one of those tracks that kind of back to the Grand Prix and watching it from years and years when I was younger. Um, but it's just a very powerful and I think um, yeah, just one of my favourite all time tracks. We really. were actually talking earlier in the studio how um, this afternoon how the 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 song it's been sort of sort of relabeled for it's that three three minutes in the the special sort of guitar solo of the that's been taken for the formula one but actually Fleetwood Mac's slightly been lost in the, yeah in the sort of development of it yeah. but yeah. is that what does did does formula one sort of really um yeah I mean not, not so much anymore but I used to watch it a lot when growing up and I think it's uh, also like the fact it's you can't tell it's that song until you hear that part yeah. and it kind of completely yeah. changes so um yeah just a special song and it's one of those songs you've got to kind of turn up quite loud as well which yeah a little bit like most of my tracks. So. <laughs> right, here we go.
listening to the Fleetwood Mac, I was saying to Dan, do, do you do you play a musical instrument? Um, so I have absolutely no musical talent whatsoever, uh, to be honest with you. But I love guitar and I love the sound of music. I was very much um, into sport growing up and playing football five, six times a week. Um, so that was kind of my key focus, really. Um, but I absolutely love guitar especially, but rock and different types of music. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like parallel between sport and music. It's sort of, I don't know, repetitive, rhythm... Uh, yeah, I don't know, there's a sort of relationship with that. I mean, lots of people to do sport, they listen to music. Absolutely. Does it, yeah, does yeah. it help you when you're playing football or no? Yeah, I mean, there's certain songs that you kind of, you want as an introduction when you're playing football, you know, you hear these, these songs come on when you go to big Old Trafford and grounds and things, and it's, um, it's a really big uh, start to the game and with the pieces of music. I have to say myself, whenever I'm on the way to a match, whether it's football, hockey, like the music, I'm on the bus journey, there is a bus journey. It's so important, yeah. so important. It gets you in the mood. And there's certain tracks that yeah. just make you yeah, ready like for the game. It's inspiration, it like, gets that buzz yeah. going. It gets the it? adrenaline going, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Proper, yeah. proper. I would say this song is kind of right in the middle of that. So. Mm. Yeah. Definitely, for, your, definitely. Uh, for your football, what, what so you played... Four, four or five times a week. So training, were you playing like club and then county or? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I trained and I played for um, through the youth system at Weymouth. So I played through Weymouth from under 12s through to under 18s. Um, so that was a lot of training. I used to go and watch my dad play as well and then train with him as well. So it was just football all the time, So, um, which was fantastic. <laughs> Um, you you play? Do you still play football now? And you're saying it was a big part of your life. Yeah, you so I mean, I, I follow football uh, all the time, and a lot of sport as well. To be fair, not just football, but um, yeah, I mean, I play five aside now, and I've played kind of eleven aside through to the last couple of years. Always been quite difficult working in catering um, mm. to play eleven aside on a Saturday. It's usually a day of work, um, but I'm keen to play. Um, and obviously, over the last academic year, I've started doing some coaching here as well, which mm. has been absolutely fantastic to work with the seconds. Um, and that's been uh, another aspect of Brinston, which has been amazing and another area for me to kind of develop further in. And it's a different aspect from playing and when you're coaching yeah. and the, the managing side of games and things like this. Um, but again, it's, it's being involved in the game that I love. So it's um, amazing.
amazing to be able to do. And coaching, I mean, there are any sort of like particular things that you've kind of learnt about about yourself, maybe or about through coaching, because it's quite a sort of constantly having to, yeah. Yeah, not... it, it's very very different to be honest to to step off from from playing where you're just thinking about what you do and yourself and how you're you know conducting yourself on the pitch and where you should be in positioning and everything, but to actually look at everybody around you and try and get the best out of all of them, because from my experience of being here. We've got some really talented boys around that are in the team that I, that I coach. Um, but it's about finding and getting the best from them and looking at their really high attributes and key skills and then trying to pick them up, whether it's positioning or shooting or passing or whatever it may be around the football pitch. Um, and that's something that, you know, when you play, you just don't think about anything like that. You just mm. deal with anything yourself. Um, so it's a, another aspect of football, which I'm really, really enjoying. Yeah. yeah. And tell us about your next track, um, Purple Rain. I think it's by Prince. Is that, is that the right one? Yeah, so um, big influence to me over the years has been my stepdad, um, who uh, sadly passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but he was a guitarist and actually uh, teach, uh, taught guitar at Brineston for 10 years. Um, so he actually worked here. Um, and he was very much into his kind of rock guitar and things like this. And uh, Prince, this is one of the songs that he played. Um, and it's a really special track. And I think uh, it's also just one of those songs that you've got to have quite loud as well.
Um, Dan, tell us about your family and are you did you were you grow up did you grow up locally or you're, you're saying your stepdad used to work here? Yeah, so I grew up um, in Weymouth and went to school in Weymouth and I moved uh, when I was 16 to live in Poole. Um, so it was at that time that I um, found the job here at Rhinestone and then I moved. You were 16. So 16, oh I moved gosh. to Poole. Oh, sorry, I was. Sorry, I was 25 when I started okay, here. Yeah, um, I, was say. I was 16 when I moved to Poole, um, did a few years in that area. I went to college in Bournemouth, um, in Catering College there, uh, for four years, and then did a few hotels and restaurants and different things. Um, and that was originally kind of chefing, it was the first thing I did at college, uh, and then kind of moving on to kind of hotel management and front of house side, which is obviously where I am now, um, which is something I just enjoyed doing more than the, the chefing side. Um, and then moving to Blandford uh, in 2016, so been there for a few years now, about uh, Charlton Marshall, so just a mile or so from the gates there. Which is, um, but so tell us, you were saying you just, um, you find the front of house much, or you're, would you say you're a per- people person, that you enjoy interacting with people more than being, well, I mean, if you're a chef, you're quite, you're sort of retreated away, you don't get to see the... You don't get to see the people enjoying your food, I guess. Yeah, and when you're kind of going through college, you do both parts of aspects of it. You do the front of house side as well as the chefing side. And I just found I was better at the front of house side than I was as the chefing. And I was enjoying it much more, um, working with people, working front of house, serving wines and things like this. Um, so that's been kind of where I developed. And I, I stayed at college and did a hotel management course, which is focusing much more on the front of house side than the chefing. So, Dan, tell us about your hobbies outside Bryanston. Yeah, so I mean, I love Dorset coast and I think we're so lucky to be in such a great area around here. So on days off, I do try to get to the coast and try and get to um, different reserves as well. I'm really into my nature, um, birds in particular, and I do some volunteering for the RSPB um, over at Arn, which is um, in Wareham. So it's one of the kind of um, major RSPB sites in the country so and it's kind of full of different areas to kind of go and investigate and have a look around and on a nice day it's one of the nicest places um, in Dorset or if not the whole country really so we're really lucky to have that half an hour away so I quite like being outside um, and just getting out into the uh, into the coastal areas going for walks um, and then doing some sport doing different types of um, golf as well and play some squash use some of the facilities here as well for that so that's really mm. good fun and then uh, just uh, seeing some friends and watching movies and things like this so <laughs> when did you your uh was it was it, it twitching that's what it's called isn't it yeah i think that's the official term Twitch. yeah i mean when did wh- how did you first get into that did was there someone who introduced you to it or did you just one day you just realize because it's it's quite a niche thing and my family i've got i've got members of my family who are really um, into well, they they feel they know what which birds are, are which, but actually, yeah. if you look in the book, they're probably not. Birds. <laughs> but it's quite they're very hard to identify. I mean, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's part of the challenge with it. Really, I mean, from growing up very young, uh, living in Weymouth, we lived very close to the beach. We used to go for walks quite regularly with my family, my granddad as well, and it was a big influence on me to actually kind of open your eyes and see what's around you. And I was always very interested if there was any wildlife, um, birds in particular, and you start to identify the ones from quite a young age. And I suppose as you kind of get older, you just it becomes a little bit of an addictive thing when you're out and you start seeing things that are quite rare, um, in particular kind of birds of prey, eagles, mm. owls, things like this, um, that you just don't see very often. And no. I think whenever you see... A barn owl, for example, which I see sometimes around the church, quite a few, on the school yeah, grounds, church, which is yeah. yeah unbelievable, and it's really nice to see these things. So I think when you start seeing more and more, and you start to be able to identify quite rare yeah. birds, um, it does become quite addictive, um, and that's been really good to be involved with that with the RSPB as well. I've got a question. What is? <laughs> I, I used to be a bit of a bird watcher. I used to 
get take a camera out, act like David Attenborough, you know, when I was like very young. Um, but what is your favourite bird? Doesn't have to be UK. It can be any. It's just yeah. So always for me has always been the kingfisher. Um, so from a very uh, early age, trying to see one through. I remember being kind of single figures uh, looking for for kingfishers and never seeing one until I was about 20 in England either so I didn't see them for years and we're now at a place where a mile from the school grounds you can go to the Stour pretty much any day and see kingfishers there Um, and it's purely kind of for the colour and they've always been quite rare Um, to see one all the Mm. time um, is is pretty great Um, I think they're just uh, within the British birds, especially, they stand out so oh, much, especially yeah. in the winter. That, yeah. that blues, electric blue, the electric, is crazy. Oh, and yeah. it shimmers, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh. Uh, that's yeah, pretty special, we were there. Yeah, and then it's kind of things like peregrine falcons, golden eagles. Yeah, I'd say wow. are the other couple though. Really. Ben, do. I know you want to tell us what your favourite bird is. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's a it's called a blue footed booby, and I chose it when I was younger because I thought I I thought the name was quite funny. Um. I mean, if I was going off looks, it'd be a scarlet ibis. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I saw one of them once on holiday. Wow. Um, in uh, British Virgin Islands, and it was uh, they're they're so amazing. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like a mini flamingo, but it's just a lot more red. Right. I mean, yeah. No, I, I mean, some of the colours when you go abroad is so so oh, exotic. Uh, we're pretty limited in that respect. I see why the kingfisher yeah. stands out so much. Yeah. Here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty good with my British birds. You know, mm. I can pretty much identify most of them. But going abroad, you know, there's so many, and it's uh, yeah. it's very very tough. To... Do, you, do you think they're slightly underappreciated? I mean. Uh, I think it's easily more common to have be interested in be sort of yeah. I feel like now young people especially are less sort of aware of the birds and yeah. And I'd say birds as well as nature in general. Um, I was walking by the river just a few months ago and there was an otter just with a fish and you think that's unbelievable to see that in the wild is amazing yeah. and people just walking past just looking down on their phones and thinking you know yeah. and this is a rare mammal that has mm. come to our you know, town, which is really, really special. Um, and the same for birds, you know, and they're all around us all the time and you can have a walk. You know, we did some stuff last year um, for the bird watch, which I organised and we got about 50 families out looking for different birds for an hour or so. It was during lockdown, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, just to kind of get out and have a look. And um, a lot of people identified kind of 20, 25 different species in that hour, which I thought is, is great, you know, really good. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about your next track. I think it's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, so uh, Bohemian Rhapsody for really the reasons of, you know, coming on Desert Island Discs, um, you know, choosing a song that I suppose if I was to take one song to a desert island and you've only got one song to listen to forever, I would go with this one. Um, I think the the difference. You, and, uh, you wouldn't get bored. I don't think you would. I think this, yeah, just, and I think if there's one song that you want to see live, I think it would be this one as well, to be honest. So. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Just killed a man 
What's the inspiration behind choosing this, Dan? Why does it particularly call out to you? It's just been one of those songs that kind of, throughout the years, you know, wherever you are, wherever you hit it, it's, um, it kind of grabs your attention, whether you're working in the kitchen, whether you're out, you know, going for a few drinks, or whether you're in a club in years gone by, you know, it's a, just a really special track. And it's quite various as well. There's all different styles throughout the whole song. Um, I think it's one of those songs, again, where you just need really loud and um, nice bit of guitar. And mm. I think, as we just said, it's um, a huge band, you know, that everybody knows and are absolutely timeless as well, really. Yeah, I mean, everyone's, people still listen to it today, don't they? And we were just saying we've, maybe we've lost these sort of iconic... Well, you always say that, and then a few years' time, you know, that it sort well, of changes, but you can't really say that, can you? I mean, in, in, in 30 years, will Katy Perry be iconic like that? I, I, I don't think so. I just no. don't think music's like that anymore. I no. think it's also the... The fact that everything was listened to on vinyl, you know, you had to go out and buy. Yeah. Whereas now it's, I can type it up on my phone. Spotify. You know, it's very, it's like rapid music you get. It's constant. There's new stuff released every day. Whereas it, I feel like back then it was, you know, it was special. You went and bought that vinyl. You had that vinyl. That was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know. And going back to the, the live concerts, you know, seeing something like this at a concert, I think that moment or seeing a few minutes of Bohemian Rhapsody live at Wembley, you know, it's going to stick with you forever. Mm. And that's... I, I mean, the, the crowd, when they all start singing it back to him, yeah. um, like, love of my, is it love of my life? They start yeah. singing it back to him, that is just... And he's so good on stage, just yeah. complete. And everyone was in awe of him. So yeah, he was an amazing. actor, he was a, he was a yeah. performer. Yeah, yeah. no. Oh, mamma mia, mamma mia.
how did you get into food? How did you get into the food industry? And Yeah, so really, I mean, going through school, I was kind of in year 10 or 11 or so, BA3, and um, started thinking, you know, what do I want to do? And um, for me, it wasn't really a, a simple kind of answer, but I started having quite an interest in food um, from kind of 15, 16. I started working in my first job uh, when I was 14, which was actually a pub in Weymouth, um, working washing up. So we used to do 200 people um, on a Saturday evening and work until one, two in the morning cleaning that up. So it was very much thrown in in the deep end and it was hard work and, you know, there was no hiding place, but it was a really good place for me to get a grounding of what a kitchen's like, um, you know, learning to respect the chefs and learning to respect people I was working with and also how important the whole team is, um, to the whole of the operation. So starting that at 14 and then I went to um, Bournemouth College when I was 16. So as I said, I moved up uh, from Weymouth to Poole um, and went into the first chefing course and I did the the second year, the advanced um, catering uh, year after as well. And I just love the whole process of going for meals and serving um, and learning the, you know, the practical, the theory side of things um, for cookery was really interesting to me. And it was the first thing I found in my life, really, where I was genuinely very interested, which made me want to learn, um, which I didn't just didn't have through school um, because I had this general interest. And luckily, like, I could uh, had a good team around me and good friends I made at college, and it was a, a good place to be. It was also full of very, very good lecturers that I got on with very well, and they started treating you more like an adult. Um, which is a big thing for me um, where you're, you're no longer at school um, and that kind of developed from there really. Yeah do you think that schools they don't really I mean sort of cooking I mean it's like it makes the world go around that's everyone needs it if food is what we all live off don't yeah. we but there isn't school doesn't seem to in general there there isn't much of a push for there isn't much education about it is there? No there wasn't enough um, through when I was at school and it was kind of very very basic you kind of make bread week in week out and it was just kind of pushed aside as kind of a quite a minor thing um, which is a real shame because you know it opens up so many different areas you know whether you do food itself or you go into um, different diet food or whatever it may be um, nutritionists and things like this so it's, it's a huge area like you say I think I think it's also the fact that we're all going to go off to uni and we get and I think as soon as people realize and they're going to be like Oh, I, I really do quite miss uh, Brighton food. I mean, I, I, like, because my brother, he's like, you're not domesticated. You know, there's, no. there's, uh, my, my brother went in September to uni up in Edinburgh. And uh, I think his, his first meal was baked beans and just pesto pasta. I yeah. mean, that's literally what he lives off. At least, yeah. he, can, at least he can make pasta. That's... I, I, you see, I, I think that should, <laughs> it's well, fairly simple. You, know, you boil water. Put a little bit of salt in. I mean, that's optional as well. And then you just pour the pasta in. It's tough to go wrong, isn't it? I mean, it is, it is pretty <laughs> tough to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your favourite meal? Um, I do like kind of a, a full kind of roast. I'm starting mm. from scratch and kind of making everything properly. And, you know, I think the, the flavours you get there. And I think it's just a traditional thing that I've had through life. On a Sunday, you have a roast and it's always been something. Um, I do like my meat and I do like my fish as well. Um, I like, you know, learning the theory side of cooking fish properly and, and different sides of um, the... I suppose, amount of different fish, you kind of start, or, you know, when you're younger, you have fish fingers, you have cod, and then you learn there's so many more, and it becomes really exciting when you start cooking things properly, and mm. you get those flavours and the tastes, it's, um, yeah, really exciting. If, it, if there was one Bronston meal that, that's your favourite, you know, something that's made at school, what, 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 would, it, what would it be? Um, I probably would go with um, something like the katsu curry, which... Is I, I know it's very popular across the school, um, but I think we've kind of developed that over the last few years, and I think that's a, a really 
an excellent dish. Um, although I'd say over the, the years I've worked here, um, my own wedding meal that I had here um, in December, which was Beef Wellington, um, which was absolutely unbelievable. And it was one of the, the best meals I've ever had. So that was very, very special for me as well. Tell us about your next track. Um, we've got a bit of Coldplay, Lovers in Japan. Yeah, so Coldplay for uh, being kind of the first band that I saw live. Um, and it's real quite a special band from and I've seen them three times. Um, I saw them in America and I was luckily, I was in Boston and I just thought we'd see what was actually on um, in TD Garden, a big concert hall over there. And Coldplay were there for one night. So I managed to get a ticket and I was front row. So it became quite a special. Um, and hearing them do this and Yellow and all the big tracks, um, I think they really put on a good show. And going back to Queen and seeing something live that's special to you made it a fantastic song. front of house do you miss uh cooking uh, yeah i mean i you know you have a real buzz within the kitchen and when you're working in a, a busy environment and you're serving you know whether it's 150 200 meals or whatever it is and you're working with quite a, sm a close-knit team um, as long as everything's going well which is all about the preparation really within the kitchen if everything's going well it's just a really good buzz if you start sending food out it's a really good feeling and that's something that i do really miss from working in the kitchens um but i was very much um quite heavily influenced to kind of do the front house stuff instead. But I think it's really important to have that theory and the knowledge of how, what it's actually like in the kitchen as well. Um, it kind of gives you that respect for the chefs and how hard they have to work. Um, it's a tough environment to work in, you know, and the, like I just said, the preparation side of things takes a lot longer than the serving side um, and the dishing up side of it as well. So. Can you give us a sort of snapshot into a day of what it takes to prepare a Bryanson meal? Um, yeah, so I mean, you've got a team of um, within the kitchen of eight or nine people working from solidly really from quarter to six, six o'clock in the morning. Um, there's obviously breakfast within that time, but a lot of the preparation there is ready for, for the lunch service, which is looking at um, just under a thousand or 1,100 people at the moment. So it's, it's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, and that team has to work, you know, really well together um, to get everything. And it's, unique in the way that you know we're not ready for a pub or a restaurant where orders start coming in at 12 o'clock or 12 30 or one o'clock everything has to be ready at 12 o'clock there's absolutely no option with that you know so to have that set um for then there's a lot of work that goes in in the morning um to ensure that that 
you know there's a plentiful choice and there's a everything is available um, at 12 o'clock for the for staff and then also obviously for all the pupils at one o'clock and I mean it's a stressful environment you're saying but how do you manage that is there sort of techniques you can how do you manage how do you work under stress how do you manage yourself under pressure well, I think having um, everything in place that kind of assists with whether it's the right equipment, things like the the correct knives, the correct equipment all around the kitchen really helps. And then having the right team in place as well to ensure that we motivate the team um, and have a, a team that has a close dynamic that works really well. And that kind of comes from the head chef and the, the senior chefs and then obviously the catering management as well, working together to ensure you know we all get the best out of the team. producer is also a keen uh, chef and he's also looking to go on to becoming a, a chef himself and uh, we were just sort of he will go on Ben tell us what you were just saying um well uh I mean when I was thinking about what I wanted to do I definitely wasn't didn't want to go to uni didn't want to do academics and I, I always love eating food uh it was it's, you know the highlight of the day it, it brings me my comfort um and, and then and everyone thinks their mum's you know the best chef in the world but I really do think my mum is and uh I've always loved cooking with her in the kitchen you know it was, it was always something that me and her did together it was a, it was a bonding experience and I, I think I think memory is uh, food is a lot about memories uh you know uh you know if you taste something you know it, it makes it makes you think of like you know a flavor that you've tasted in the past or even if it is a new flavor being it, in a certain just, place or whatever it may be yeah, yeah it brings you just that like warm feeling inside you yeah. know I, I, I just, and do you see yourself like one day running your own kitchen as well that i mean the dream is that that, that is the dream right. that is i mean that it, I, it's, it's a big dream um and then the bigger dream than that is a mission star obviously really but yeah. I, 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 I but i i've only done two weeks i did two weeks in a it's like a deli pub restaurant right uh in a place called Stockbridge, called Time and Tides, uh, but it gets very, it does get very busy. Um, but it's more like it's like fish and chips and that. And that was I was that really did not it did kind of knock me off my feet. I was I was like I wasn't I didn't I knew that it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be stressful. Um, but it really it really I threw me in the deep end, and I was like, whoa, you know, this yeah. is this is something. You know, you start you get there at seven o'clock in the morning, mm. and if you're doing a full day shift, you don't leave till. 10 11 at night yeah. i mean it is yeah, you know, it's, it's really full on really yeah. full on uh but as soon as i finished it about two three days after i was like i don't know if this is for me right but then as soon as i was done that i was like i, I want to get i want to get back in yeah and, that, and that's the thing it becomes so so rewarding and you know i remember working on the isle of white for cow's week in a restaurant over there yeah. and like you just said you work very very long days and it's very hard work and it's full on throughout that whole time but you finish a day and it's a really great feeling to yeah. feel that you've done 200 meals or whatever it may be exactly um, yeah, yeah. It's, no, yeah it's very rewarding I mean for you Dan did that uh, love of food come from your from your parents from your family or do you think do, like Ben like, have, was there someone in your life who kind of I don't know show sort of yeah 
I mean, going back to, to what I said with the, the kind of roast dinners, I mean, we used to go for a roast dinner at my grandparents every Sunday um, in Weymouth. And I suppose it kind of started from there. My my grand in particular was very much into cooking everything from scratch. It was nothing, never a microwave in sight. It was, and I think you start to learn the techniques and start to see that, like you just said about the flavours, and it takes you back to those areas, you know. Yeah. And if I taste a certain thing now, like a certain type of stuffing, it does, it takes you back. 25 yep. years um, which is amazing and I think that's something that you kind of then start to find a passion for yourself and then develop it and I think you know going back to what you just said about trying to become a Michelin or trying to get a Michelin star one day you know with dedication and working really hard and obviously along the way it's not going to come naturally you know there's going to be not, parts yeah. that you've got to trial and test but that's the greatest it's, thing with food you can just test it and work you and can get slight it, ingredients will just exactly, enhance it exactly have, that, have you, that, yeah, have you had ups and downs that have I mean, you said it's a rocky road. I mean, getting anywhere is a rocky road, but is there a moment that stands out to you that was particularly tough? I suppose my second year of college where I was halfway through it and I just was in a position where I was doing a purely a chef course and I thought, I, I know that I can do this and I finished the course, but, you know, I want to do something else mm. and I preferred the front of house side. So I think at that stage, I think since then, I kind of worked hard at the front of house side and the, the, the management areas and that's been a, a really good experience. There's never been a day when you think, actually, this is not for me. I want a career change. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually had that, which is, yeah, um, you know, and I think yeah. I do put a little bit of that on uh, on Brinston and to be able to come to work after working here for 12 years and feel motivated for work and feel happy to be yeah. here. I mean, to be in a fabulous place that we're all, all in um, really helps. But having the team around me that I do have um, and then working uh, with the pupils is um, is great. So, Tell us about your last track. Yeah, so I have quite a love for films and in particular, um, I'd say one of my favourites would be Lord of the Rings. Um, and this particular track comes from a certain part of the film, which is just a really powerful um, few minutes. The Lord of the Rings has been a special movie to me since they first came out. Um, I went to see all of them, I think, at the cinema at least three times each. I was really kind of quite keen into that. And during my time at Rhinestone, I've actually met two of the actors. So I met um, Andrew Circus, who plays Gollum, and I met Sir Ian McKellen as well. Um, and that was over the last six or seven years, both of which were the nicest, humblest people. Um, and I had a chat with Andy Circus actually, and said, you know, thanks for doing Gollum, and it was so good. And he was so, he just kind of said... Uh, do you really think so? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so that was, uh, and Ian McKellen as well. And um, I actually had a, him sign my, my Hobbit book, which is uh, obviously a really special thing to me now. Um, this part of the film is actually when um, Frodo and Samwise are just about to uh, find, get to, or towards Mordor. And uh, it's just a really passionate piece of music by Howard Shaw. Uh, and I really do like my film music as well. So, and this is kind of pickable.
were just talking about, I don't know how we got on Scotland with um, Amateur. I don't think it just has Scottish vibes, doesn't it? But tell us why, uh, well, tell us, Dan, what Scotland means to you, because you were just saying. Uh, yeah, so I, I was at college, um, so my third year, and I went and did my work experience up there for six months, um, and then I went back for Christmas as well. Um, and it became, you know, a special place for me, um, and being quite in the middle of Scotland as well, I got to days off and go and kind of explore Glasgow and Edinburgh and then the coast as well um, a couple of the islands and St Andrews and yeah pretty special to me always been a place um, and just quite recently I've had my honeymoon up there as well so we did a two week tour um, around the Kangorns so obviously the wildlife and nature up there is unbelievable and it's just a really nice countryside and the James Bond influence is a little bit up there as well with the, the Skyfall and another very important part yeah, of uh, films about, for me is, yeah tell us about movies. your James Bond sort of passion yeah so I just always loved Bond from a very young age really and I've kind of carried that through and uh, enjoy going to watch them uh, over the years I think it's the kind of Britishness of it and just being kind of um, the secret agent I suppose and it's just kind of great cars you know great locations and it's just something really really uh, and what, special what well. do you think about the the most recent one where we were just having a, bit of a controversial debate here in the studio about what we think about the ending yeah well personally I mean I, I genuinely found it quite tough and I actually struggled to sleep after watching that I did find it <laughs> very hard because um, like you just said I mean Bond shouldn't really you, you, you can't kill Bond no, what, is, no. I mean what's going to happen next no, you right. can't the, the James Bond name can't carry on no. no, they it won't. Can't. They won't. They won't kill it all together. It will come back in a new well, form. I, I, I know it will. And uh, so I went to watch yeah. it with uh, with Matt as well, actually. And yeah. uh, we were both sat there, both traumatized at the end. Oh. It's quite tough. But we we'll have to see what happens now. It's the rest of the film was part. brilliant. Like yeah. it was. It was. It was. It was a good one. It was a good one. And the yeah. daughter as well. But it was yeah. very long as well. It, yeah. it, it, no, it was a long one. It was a long one. Yeah. yeah. Do you see yourself as secret agent? Do you want to be a? Was that a kind of sort of thing you wanted to be when you were older? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I suppose it was. You know, as time goes by, you know, it's um, yeah, quite a good, an influential character, isn't mm. it? Really, and I suppose it's uh, yeah, but it's um, you know, the the changes of Sean Connery to Roger Moore and Piers Brosnan. I mean, they're all just great actors, and I, I've found the whole series just uh, there's not actually that many British series as well that uh, you know we talk no. of. I mean, a lot of the the big films like mm. we just spoke about Star Wars, and you know, it's all very very American. Yeah. So to have in the middle of all of that is this British series since 1962. It's mm. pretty special. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we do love the going from... James Bond theme nights, don't we? We, we yeah, we do, we do. They yeah. are, they're very good. Yeah, the theme nights are oh, I like the Halloween one as well. That's always good. Yeah, yeah no, we absolutely love doing the theme nights, and obviously the Bond one was something pretty special for me to do as well. That's and so uh, fun. you know, I think the the music in the dining room is fairly common in there. I, mean, I know you've had it on the radio a few times as well, so I think it's a it's a nice backing music as well for. Whatever you're doing, really. One more question about Bond. Who 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 would you say is your favourite Bond? That you know, of all the Bonds. Yeah. So, as I just said, I mean, I love all of the different ones that have played Bond, but for me, Sean Connery um, set a standard yeah. when yeah. he started doing from Doctor No, and um, that for me, I mean, not just his Bond, but everything he did was was great. Um, the Scottish side, but as an actor, but I think he just set a standard of what Bond is, um, and that for me makes him kind of stand out over all of them I agree um, I completely agree yeah, yeah no. uh, I really yes. do have a lot of time for, for Roger Moore um, Daniel Craig as well I think mm. he's done a great job with the series over the last few years but yeah Sean Cronin at the start mm. well it's been so uh, we loved hearing all your desert island your island discs <laughs> and um, but we, we're going to cast you away now but before we do that we're going to give you a book and a luxury item 
Can you, anything you particularly want to take with you if you were going to be cast away? Yeah, so I mean, I would say the luxury item and thinking about it, um, it is quite a tough one, but I suppose quite an obvious answer in a football. And I would have the football for twofold reasons. Uh, so I would create my own Wilson, like Castaway, <laughs> which I think would be nice to have that company. Um, and I think within days you'd be kind of best friends. So that would be quite nice. Um, second to that, obviously, you've got a footy there to kick around on the beach and play a bit of beach football. Pretty good fun. Um, I think that would be my luxury item. Yeah. <laughs> would you take a book as well? Um, yeah, so a book, um, I would go with a world encyclopedia of animals because I think if you were on a desert island and some kind of sea badger was to swim past and you couldn't identify what type of animal it was, um, it would be quite frustrating. So therefore you've got this book and you can have a look uh, and work out what you're seeing. Well, you're not going to be bored, I don't think. Right. On the... Hopefully exactly. it's, a, it's like a tropical desert island with lots of animals, not a, an ice... Ice Desert Island. No, exactly. Um, well, it's been it's been so nice to it's been a great to I mean it's been yeah it's been a great time having a great discussion about all sorts of interesting yeah. things. Yeah, and thank you so much for inviting me and having me in. Really thank appreciate you, it. Yeah, no. no it's been brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Really, thanks very much.